Hey, Molly. Yes, hello. Oh my god. <laughs> Poor kitty. <laughs> we got so scared for a second. <laughs> Sorry. Welcome to Truths Universally Acknowledged, a courtship recap podcast. I'm Emma Soberano, not a poor kitty. <laughs> not, not a poor kitty. And I'm Molly Curran. There is a poor kitty wandering around uh, around Felix. us. Yes. But we are once again in person. This is great. I enjoy talking face to face. Yeah, it's of fun. Zoom window to Zoom window. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, instead of giving some historical background or much in terms of genre and romance novel, yeah, things. our usual thing. Yeah, we we kind of just want to talk about the show, and we want to talk about the suitors and where we're at, who's still in, who we love, who we think can make it. Obviously, spoilers because we're talking about the whole episode. But from the front, we will be talking about the people who were eliminated this episode. Yes, and it feels like it's kind of time where Nicole is getting down to business in yes. really figuring out kind of who she has chemistry with, who she's compatible with, who she can maybe see a future with. I mean, I do think the the genre element that is interesting is I just think this as a genre, the dating reality show of this type, is interesting because you do have opinions. You, it, it's like a sports team, you know, you're rooting mm-hmm. for somebody, but like ultimately it's not Survivor, right? It's not like who's the smartest and can mm-hmm. do this or whatever. It's, it's who does Nicole want, you know? Yeah. She makes the final choice and like, at a certain point, we just kind of have to accept that, even if we're like, no, but I love this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have to be like, well, she doesn't, or she mm-hmm. she just sees him as a friend, or exactly. she just can't, you know? And I think that's that's hard. And again, we've talked before about the Bachelorette season with Rachel Lindsay. I'm sure this has happened with other seasons of that show. But there was a lot of backlash about her final choice. In part because of, and Rachel Lindsay has said this herself, like, the edit. The edit, for sure. Yeah, exactly, that each of them got. So um, you don't get to see everything. And obviously this show is shorter, each episode is shorter than each episode of Bachelor, Bachelorette. But in this case, because it's, you know, that, that kind of brief one hour, we don't get to see all of the time a ton of each suitor, which I think has made the process of kind of getting to know each of them on her end perhaps also a little more drawn out but you know we are we have talked about like how this show is narrativized in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and that's part of it right part of it is that editing process that this is like a constructed narrative that we're getting I also think this is a good moment for us to just check in about the show and, and, and this logistical thing, because in a Instagram live between Charlie and Nicole, they so said, cute. <laughs> this is very adorable to watch. They said, or maybe it was said in the comments, I can't remember, but basically it's become clear that it seems like it'll be a 12 episode season, maybe 13. Um, in which case we're about two thirds of the way through. Yeah. And I think, Often in other shows with kind of similar structures like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, the first bit gets taken up with all of this like intra-contestant drama, right? So like you get 
a villain arc that develops, sometimes two villain arcs that develop, (laughs) you know, and here we haven't really had as much of that, in part because it seems like all the guys really get along for the most part, and Nicole has also been pretty good about being like, okay, you're not here for me, bye, (laughs) like, figuring out what she's willing to put up with, and who needs to be sent home, right? Which, you know, I applaud her for, but I think also means that there hasn't been as much of that kind of drama that is taking up our attention. And so the the arc of the show is a little different. Yes. It's interesting because I think some viewers really love that. Like I would say, I think I really have loved that. Yeah. Um, and I think some viewers like that less. They like the high drama of The Bachelor. You know, they like having these completely ridiculous side arcs and stuff mm-hmm. that are, are not really central to... Finding love. Yes, that are just and sort of clearly people being, you know, ridiculous to be yeah. on TV. Which, it's not like we've had none of that. But it all gets nipped in the bud pretty quickly. Yeah, and and we don't have a lot of displays of huge, in in this case, like huge male egos, for example, battling it out for multiple episodes at length, which I'm appreciative of. I know that, as Molly just said, that is something that other people watch The Bachelor for. I, you know, I have watched The Bachelor and Bachelorette for the drama because, you know, (laughs) it's fun to watch. But I also just really appreciate seeing people who are actually adults (laughs) or, you know, at least are acting more like adults or what we would like to think adults act like (laughs) (laughs) than, you know, the bad behavior that we see other places. Yeah, I think the thing is, like, I'm willing to believe all of the guys that we still have on the show, all will say, but our (laughs) new edition, you know, really do care about Nicole. And I think, like, that still is the priority for them rather than necessarily exposure or fame. Mm. I'm sure that's all great. I'm not going to be like, oh, none of them want exposure and fame. But I do think they all at this point are very genuine in in their interest in her and even Danny B even Danny B <laughs> yeah i mean i actually do think i've like we're starting to see him even yes. more and more yeah be invested in her you know there are definitely still things where i like i do think he is prioritizing himself yeah some red flags still, yeah, for sure lots of red flags but i don't think that he is a bad person <laughs> yeah you know like i don't think he's intentionally there as a producer plant, for example. Right. Cough, cough, in French. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, um, how do you how do you want to do this? Like, do you want to go guy by guy? Or do you want to talk Ooh. about the most recent eliminations first? Or Well, maybe we can start with kind of our, like, top two that we like the most. Okay. And then our top two that we think maybe have the best chance. Okay. And this is including the people who were still in it this week. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So my top two favorites who I like the most got eliminated this week. So that's Charlie Mumbray and Jaquan Holland. Um, they were my favorites. You know, like Jaquan, I really thought that maybe he actually was the man for Nicole. I did not actually think that Charlie was going to make it to the end. But he's just such a sweetie, and I just really appreciated getting to see him on our screens, you know, the whole time, but also, like, especially the past couple episodes where he's gotten to shine. Yeah, what about you, Molly? So, 
surprising no one, my favorite is <laughs> Mr. Cones, and that only increased this episode. Though, again, I'm not convinced he's the one for Nicole. I'm not convinced he's not, either. I'm, I'm a little ambivalent on that. Yeah, interesting. Um, but... Vibes this week. Yeah, and then I think probably my other favorite would also be Mr. Mumbre. Although, I do have a real soft spot in my heart that I did not expect to get for Mr. Chapman. And I think it has to do with the fact that although I think he's, like, not right for Nicole in Mm. many ways, I like that he's honest about it. Like, I think this week made me like him in a way that probably made other people not like him. Mm. But there's, like, an honesty to his confusion and his... And we'll get into all this, but, like, when I was talking with Becky beforehand, she was saying, like, it shows a kind of respect to say, like, I care about you and I want to be with you, but I don't think that uh and like I think you like me as well like I think we could have something but like I know what kind of life I want and I don't think I can give you the kind of life you want yeah um and like I was like okay you know well so interesting um I do think that like we are getting to see him struggle with perhaps unexpected feelings Mm -hmm. and also trying to balance that with like the practical realization of what he wants his life to be like in a way that like it does feel like we're actually getting to see yeah. him deal feels with authentic. that yeah it does yeah. like it feels authentic it feels like we're getting to see him deal with that in real time interestingly so molly you're saying you know it does take a sort of care to tell someone you know i care about you but i just don't think i can give you mm-hmm. what you need and want i think we're I perhaps differ there is that we didn't see him do that this week. No, we didn't. But in fairness, I think he wanted to. I think he was ready to. I think he just didn't get the opportunity to. Okay. Yeah. I think that was the conversation he thought he was going to be having at the farewell dance. And then for various reasons that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But I guess instead we saw him giving her this certain level of reassurance that I think is going to perhaps kind of come back yeah. around to maybe blindside her. That's true. That was that is a bit of yeah. Yeah. So mixed mixed feelings. Very mixed feelings. Um, and yeah. then I also love Mr. Holland. Like I think he seems like a really great guy. And I think I basically have the same feelings about him as Nicole did, which is just I wish we'd had more opportunities to see his fun goofy side and like his humor because he is very serious and I think that's okay but like I like a goofy guy that's just me Mm -hmm. and I think the moments I've liked him the most are the moments where we see that so like when he was doing his silly Greek god poses yeah and and, like dancing with her when he was dancing with her and so I understand I, I will say I feel like she had a good opportunity to maybe give him the chance to show that that she did not choose to take and that, I mean, it's her choice, but I, I think I would have been interested to see, like, what would have happened if, you know, Jaquan had been in the game of <laughs> poor Kitty. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's really true. And I think it's interesting because he kept saying, like, I don't know why I'm not getting this time, mm-hmm. right? And I think part of what we're seeing at this point is that a lot of the suitors are kind of still perhaps in the mode that the first half of the show has been in, which is, like, she's trying to get to know everyone. If someone hasn't gotten much time, maybe they'll get the next date, Mm -hmm. right? But at this point, she's really starting to figure out who it is that she likes the most, and she's giving them the time. Yes. So if you're not getting the time, unfortunately, it's because she 
has kind of perhaps already made up her mind a little bit that she likes other people more. Yes. And unless you take it upon yourself to take that time and perhaps change her mind, right? You know, you can't just wait around for her to give it to you in this case. And we saw, you know, two suitors kind of step up this episode Mm -hmm. and take that time because they had not been given it. And they were the two who I was like, they're definitely on the chopping block. And then, Mm -hmm. well, Mr. Hunter, I was still like, oh, he might be on the chopping block. But yeah, I mean, I think they understood, okay, we have to make make ourselves get time because Mm -hmm. otherwise it's game over. Yeah. So it's interesting because we're obviously talking about who our favorites are. She talked with her mom about like who her... Her mom's, her favorites, mom's are. favorites are. So this week feels like a good time to be having this conversation. Yeah. So we've talked about kind of who our favorites are. Part of the reason that I really liked Chapon was because I do feel like he had that goofy side, but we really got to see it as the viewer more than she I did. I think so, yeah. Um, and I don't know, I really appreciate understated goofiness. Mm-hmm. I also, I mean, not to be like, I don't know. I think it's significant that he was our last remaining black suitor. Yes, exactly. Um, I don't know if everyone, I don't, particularly, I don't know if Mr. Nazaire is white or not. I don't think he is. I didn't Um, think so. I mean, he may be biracial or multiracial, but yeah, I don't. But by and large, we're down to a lot of white guys. Well, and also, I mean, it's not just white guys. There's also the question of colorism, right? Yes. So people with light skin. Yeah. And I say that as someone with light skin. (laughs) Right. Which again, it's not like we're like, she had to pick the, but it's it's just one of those things that's notable, Mm -hmm. um, given that we came into the season really impressed with the diversity of the suitors and just it's not like she's made a single elimination where I've been like I don't know I don't understand why I've understood why every single time but I do think it is sort of sad to see someone you just don't get to see get that far in a dating reality show go I will say too though the interesting thing and like this also goes back to Rachel Lindsay right and the kind of expectations when you have a lead of color especially Mm -hmm. like a black female lead and I think we saw this also with Matt James in The Bachelor that uh there are different expectations put upon those leads by different communities right Mm -hmm. so you know some people really want to see a multiracial love story right but then there's also especially within the black community a real desire to see black love represented on screen and that's so hard because then you feel like just imagining in that person's shoes right they feel a certain responsibility towards their community Mm -hmm. but you can't control who out of that group of people you really connect with and you Mm -hmm. really kind of find yourself feeling compatible with and seeing your life with at the same time right as a person of color like especially if you're dating someone who's white or light-skinned you're constantly kind of wondering like oh is this like some of my own internalized racism or internalized colorism like what do the choices that I am making really signify? And does that say something about me and like what's going on like um, behind the scenes in, in my own psyche, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, it's very complicated. And I think I just wanted to flag that, that it yeah. is super complicated. And this is yet another reason why this genre is, is a more complex one, I think, than mm-hmm. people want to say, because for all that the story is edited and shaped, it still is 
real people. You know, yeah. this isn't a romance novel. Mm-hmm. And so I can't give somebody flack for who she is feeling a connection to. She's yeah. a real human being. And I mean, I, I also want to flag that, like, as you're saying, people are complex. And when we're deciding who we're going to date, we have to kind of make certain calculations about what is important to us to connect with a partner about, mm-hmm. right? And so she may have been able to connect with Jaquan about having a certain form of like racial experience, but I also think that they're at very different points in their lives yes. and what they want from their lives. And so that's also a factor that weighs in, right? In terms of like, okay, well, what she's saying about him being serious, like we got to see that he's goofy, but I think that he has more of these like serious priorities. And so I think that it's not just, oh, can you be goofy? But it's what sorts of priorities are kind of ruling your life, right? He has a child, he has a stable job. And as she said, she, you know, she's 26. Like she still wants to be with someone who's the life of the party. I forgot she was that young. We were talking about how young Mr. Mumbray was last episode. I was like, oh, oh he's also god. 26. He's actually. also 26. <laughs> I was like, oh god. Which, like, now I'm like, oh, he's such a baby. And I'm like, oh, I'm 27. Like, I'm not, we're not. I'm actually, an oh. ancient 31, so. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Molly, she's about to Our turn crum- crumble into dust and die, according to Hollywood, I yes. guess, which is so silly. And different people get to those points in their life at different times, right? Like, I have friends who got married very young in terms of, like, what I think of as yeah. young, right? But, like, that's just where, where they were at in their lives. They didn't want to keep going out and traveling and partying yeah. and such. They, like, want to prioritize family and having Mm -hmm. children and then later once you know their kids are grown up and they retire or whatever then they're going to do those things so it's like it's just you know yeah I I was on a zoom baby shower for one of my best friends the other day Mm -hmm. and a lot of the people on the call who are you know my age or younger had partners and had babies and were holding their babies and I was just like oh my god everyone's so young for this and I was like no, actually, this is like pretty normal for a lot of people. I think just just because it feels like a lot for me doesn't mean that, yeah. you know, I think it's just that realization that people come to different kinds of experiences at different points in their life. And some don't come at all. Sometimes you never want a kid and that is fine. Yeah. And, and you, sometimes you never want marriage and that is fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that is a good point. Mr. Holland, where he is in life. Even though Nicole wants a certain kind of commitment, Mm -hmm. it's a big leap from I want to be engaged to like, I am ready to lock it down and have a child. I mean, she would be a stepmother, Mm -hmm. which I don't know that that was a factor in her decision making. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but there's a lot to it. And we do only see such a fraction Yeah, and I mean, obviously, she's talking with people about the different kinds of lives that they want to lead. And I'm sure we will see this next week Mm -hmm. when she talks to Mr. Chapman, where we're seeing kind of these two, I don't want to say extremes, right? Because neither one is all that extreme. Yeah. But where, you know, when she talked to Danny B last week, they both said they, they want a level of commitment. They want kids. That doesn't necessarily mean right? That they want kids right now. Obviously, she still wants to like go and have fun with a partner, right? But then there's a difference between that and just 
living in a van and mm-hmm. never settling yes. down, not having that be like having a certain kind of level of uncertainty about like when or if that may come mm-hmm. versus having the extreme certainty, right? That you need to be home after work so that you can put the kid to bed and so that you can go to bed early yourself because you have to get up in the morning at like 5 a.m. because you have to be at school by 7 to greet the children, you know? Yeah. Very different lives. And so I think we are getting to kind of see her making those decisions in a way that I think feels really significant. Yeah. Um, Because we don't see that as much a lot of other places, right? We see this romanticized and in being romanticized, this really kind of often very vague idea of Mm. chemistry and compatibility without thinking about what that actually means on the day-to-day basis, right? The thing I love about the farewell dance, which I think we've had mixed feelings about throughout Mm -hmm. the show, but the thing I love is that I do love that she is given an opera. I mean, I think she takes this opportunity many times, but it's a really formal opportunity to just be like, here's my feedback for you. Like, Mm -hmm. this is what I want. This is what I would like to see. This is how I'm feeling. And then he has a chance to also say how he's feeling. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those things don't align and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But it's just this form of like real honesty and clarity that it affords her in a way that I, I really appreciate. And I think the fact that her family, her friends are there is also... We don't necessarily see her that often talking through everything in in great depth with them, though I'm sure she's doing more of that uh, Mm -hmm. off camera. But the fact that we know that she's having these conversations with the people who are most important to her about, you know, I feel this way, but I'm confused about this, but Mm -hmm. that, you know, she's not having to internalize it or just say it to a camera. I think that's something that Okay, in the fact that they are doing this as a dance, and it is like a very brief window of time, it does feel very contrived in some ways. But at the same time, when you're dating someone, especially like someone who maybe you're like thinking about getting serious with early on, I think you do kind of sit down and have some of those conversations sometimes Uh where you're like, okay, so this is how I have been feeling. I need more of this. With Mr. Holland, we saw she told him she needed to see more of the goofy side, right? And that was so that she could decide whether perhaps her questions about compatibility were actually due to that, or maybe there was something kind of larger going on, right? Yeah. I mean, God knows I wish that somebody would be like, okay, now is when you have to sit down with your boyfriend and here are the things you need to talk to each other about. You have five minutes. Go. Oh, God, you should definitely have more than five minutes for like, <laughs> That's a probably true. down formal conversation. Because um, it's hard. It's hard to bring that stuff up. Yeah. You know, and, it's awkward. And it's funny because a lot of the time it does feel very contrived. Yeah. Right? Maybe not as contrived as, like, you know. Doing it while you're uh, trying to keep up with a <laughs> yeah <laughs> formal dance. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you do kind of have those conversations where you say, like, I need more signs of affection from you, Mm -hmm. or I want us to have more conversations about what each of us wants from life, right? Right. I think that's 
That's right. Okay, so with that, who do we think she might actually pick in the end? So I was fully off the <laughs> Danny B train, but I feel like Danny B is sneaking back. Sneaking back. Especially now that we know Mr. Chapman might be leaving. Yes. So yeah, yeah I think Dan- Danny B is is going far at least. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, they definitely had that kind of instant chemistry that's sort of like ineffable something that we saw even if we don't entirely understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, And to his credit, I do feel he has at least been trying to be better with her than he has been. I've been less angry with him than I was the first episodes. We can actually see him like listening to her Mm -hmm. and taking her feedback. I do still think that whenever he's like meet me halfway he's not recognizing uh-huh. that she already is doing that work and he's not recognizing the reality of the situation that they're both in and obviously he has some issues with control and jealousy but you know yes i also think they should have a conversation about politics politics yeah i just i i think it it needs to happen. I kind of wish she would have the conversation she had with Mr. Cohen's about race, you know, race <laughs> yeah. you know, with with everyone because mm-hmm. I just think it feels very important and it's maybe being taken for granted a little bit. Well, and I do kind of wonder, I don't know how much she's necessarily taking it for granted because we have seen her have those conversations, but I do think it's a hard conversation to bring up. Mm-hmm. And I also kind of wonder if she already has an inkling that she's perhaps not going to get the answer that she wants and therefore is maybe avoiding it. Like, even if she's doing so subconsciously. Yeah, certainly possible. And let's just, for anyone who's listening who does not know this already, the reason that we're saying that they should have a conversation about politics is because Danny B is a Trump supporter. Yes, there there is evidence to do with who he follows on social media and stuff. I mean, I don't think he came forward and said it, but no, in but terms of he's like a member of like, you know, New Yorkers for Trump. Yes, exactly. And stuff like that. And I mean, who knows? Maybe he is just like lurking in those groups to observe the opposition, but I kind of doubt it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, obviously if you're listening, to, if you've been listening to this podcast, I feel like it's pretty clear that Molly and I both are not Trump supporters, <laughs> to say the least. But even more than that, it's it, to me, it's not just about like dating someone with bad politics. I just think that for a black woman with a black family to date someone who seems to support <laughs> somebody yeah. who who is like pretty pro white supremacy, you know, to think yes. about having children, it's just it's just a thing you need to go into with eyes wide open. Well, and at I the think, very least, and I think more than even the fact that like Trump has ties to white supremacist groups, there's the fact that there are a lot of Trump supporters who simply dismiss any discussion of race, right? So even if Danny B is not someone who has those particular, like, really, really bad tendencies, Mm -hmm. he might just have a very different worldview from her, where he does not see how race impacts her, impacts her family, how race would impact their children if they were to have biological children. Um, And so those things are really important. And yeah, I do wish that they would have that conversation. I am 
a little concerned that they won't in part because this show is still trying to kind of market itself to a pretty wide audience. And so far the conversations, I mean, most of the political conversations that we've seen from her are with Mr. Cone. Yes. But even those are pretty broad. Yes. And maybe they have more in-depth conversations or parts of those conversations that we didn't see, but the parts that we do get to see are kind of the most palatable versions. Right. I mean, it's not like staking particular political claims so much as sort of being like, Love equality, love. Love, <laughs> love, which, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think it's worth no saying, racism, like, you know, like, fuck racism. I have that, seen uh, Mr. Cohn's on his social media saying slightly more uh, yeah. specific things than that. You know, he's talked about Black Lives Matter. He's mm-hmm. talked about, but within the context of the show, what we are shown are these sort of general conversations that I think um, for people who are just broadly speaking, you know, consider themselves good people or like Mm -hmm. relatively liberal or however you want to think about it you know they'd be like well yeah of course yeah exactly and I mean I feel like even even people who do consider themselves a little more conservative Mm -hmm. more like a little right of center would still like at this point in 2022 we have really broad support across the country for gay marriage right and so they would still probably be able to say though I do think that it's very different for a man to say that he is interested in people regardless of gender than for a woman to in terms of like seeing that on television. I think that it depends. I think the issue is when we see it with women, we see it with almost exclusively like femme women who present very, Mm -hmm. in a like quote unquote normative way. Mm -hmm. I think if we were seeing a lot more like butch lesbians on (laughs) TV, it'd be like a little different, but yeah, yeah, I, I get it. And like, We'll talk a lot about, I yeah. think, at least I have a lot to say about mm-hmm. Mr. Combs' yeah. whole thing. But. but, I mean, yeah, like you were just saying, you know, like, he may have supported Black Lives Matter on his personal social media, but the show itself is just saying racism is bad. Yes. Which, like, I think even people who could be accused of having perpetuated racism. Oh, absolutely. 100%, a lot of the time, do not recognize that they themselves are kind of imbricated in that and would themselves say, yes, of course racism is bad. Yeah, so it's not really having a discussion of like, okay, well, what exactly does that racism look like? Yeah. (laughs) Right? So, Danny B. Danny B. Who else do we think is? I really think Mr. Judge. Um, Yes, I agree. And... I think part of the reason is that this week, it's funny because we do see him having serious conversations with her. He is a little more quiet. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, you might kind of align him a little bit with Mr. Holland in terms mm-hmm. of personality. They're both a little more understated, a little more kind of soft-spoken in some ways. But we do see her this week say that Mr. Judge has really begun showing her his goofy side and relaxing Mm. a little bit more. And so I do think that she's able to see herself with him in a way that she wasn't with Mr. Holland. I think she said he's like really letting his hair down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mr. Judge, he's the sort of surprise contender in that, Mm -hmm. you know, I think when they introduced two new people and I was like, oh, it's way too late for anybody. Mm -hmm. But like, no, it's not. And I think my guess for who else might go to the end, and this is like extremely dependent mm. on what happens next, is Mr. Hunter. Oh, um, huh. And that's because yeah, that if he can have a conversation with her where he does open up 
in the way that she wants him to, mm-hmm. then I think he stands a chance to at least get toward the end because not only did she have a very good date with him and like she felt the chemistry and stuff, but the fact that her mom says that, you know, oh, he's my favorite. I think she was really excited to see him in this episode. Nicole was and like really wanted him to sort of make that moment with her and he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I think if he can do it, then he stands a chance. Yeah. Um, I'm always pulling for Mr. Cone still, in part just because I want him to have him on my screen as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think they have a really strong connection. Like, mm-hmm. I actually do think they have a very strong connection, Mr. Cones and, and Yeah, I, I think they have a very strong emotional connection. Yes, and I think they are able to talk to each other so openly in, like, a way that they haven't done with anyone else. I, like, really believe in that side of things, and it's just a matter of, is the romantic sexual chemistry there? And, like, can it develop if it's not necessarily, you know, if it's, maybe there's, like, a little, but it's not anywhere near, you know, what she had with Danny B or Mr. Chapman. Can it develop into more? How much does she want? To me, I'm like, wow, this guy seems like a guy who'd be, like, really great to get into a super healthy, stable relationship with. <laughs> um, yeah, so in case Mr. Cones does not make it to the end. Yeah, give give me a, give me a call. Slide into my DMs. I, I will dump my boyfriend for you. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, Eric. <laughs> But yeah, so I also am very, I think, torn on Mr. Cones after this episode in terms, not in terms of liking him. I love him. He's really sweet. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think seems like a really great person and is obviously like very goofy and all Mm -hmm. that too. But yeah, I can't tell whether they have that kind of spark because I think that like, with other people she obviously has that and you know sparks are flashy um sparks are sparky Mm -hmm. and so that can be really obvious and i do wonder how much she's kind of keeping mr combs around because she's waiting to see whether that develops like how much of their connection is perhaps there but getting outshone by other people by the like very obvious chemistry between her and yeah. Mr. Chapman, Mr. Bikikio, yeah. Because mm-hmm. you you need both, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think we'll talk about that a little more later when we talk about the farewell. Yeah. Um, that's a good kind of recap of where, I mean, probably far too long recap <laughs> of like where um, everyone seems to stand right now. I'm going to I'm gonna really miss Mr. Lombre. Me That said, let's take a brief break, and when we come back, we will get into the recap. Welcome back to Truths Universally Acknowledged. We are just about to start our recap of episode 8, Battle of the Brits. Battle of the Brits, which I think is very funny because I feel like the last last episode was much more Battle of the Brits. Yeah, and it was really one. entirely one-sided. Monsieur Nazaire just like coming in all yeah. guns blazing to totally sink poor Mumbrey's little rowboat. <laughs> so I feel like we're <sighs> teased by the title that this is going to be a heavy... Mumbre versus Nazair episode, but it's really not. I think in part because, as Charlie says, he really isn't all that cutthroat. Yeah. <laughs> so we do open with the men talking about the farewell ball. Because as we are reminded in the recap at the beginning of the episode, they managed the dancing bit, but Nicole did not manage the farewell, farewell. bit. <laughs> and 
It's interesting. I mean, I, I understand this. Danny B says that he was bothered that nobody went home. It seems like a few of the others and, agree. Yeah, and it seems like the others agree. And it's not because they're like, we don't like these guys. So I'm sure they all, it was very clear, would have been happy to see Miles and his go home. Mm-hmm. But because with each elimination, right, you feel like you're making progress. You feel like you're getting closer to more time with her, a better connection with her. And in a very logistical way, I think that's true, right? (laughs) Yeah, the fewer people are there, the more time you get to spend each week with her and her family. We also see, you know, last week we had an emphasis on Mr. Holland saying, like, you know, I don't think I'm going to be on the card. I've never been on the dance card before. And this week, we again kind of get that. But we also get an emphasis on his feelings. Mm -hmm. um, Where... Here, he says that he's falling for Miss Remy, even though he didn't expect to. As I said, I like him a lot. And part of what I like about him is that he has like specific things about her that he likes. He likes that she's caring, that she has this like emotional connection with him and with others as well. I like that he says that she's got a beautiful heart, not just like that mm-hmm. she is physically beautiful, mm-hmm. <laughs> which she is. I mean, I really feel like he genuinely admires her. Yeah. And and what he knows of her, he really does like. And I think mm-hmm. that's great. Meanwhile, as, as sort of this conversation is happening, the Battle of the Brits is happening, which is to say that Charlie and Miles are playing chess. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's not that exciting. No, but as <laughs> Mr. Edwards says, we've got a really heavy-handed metaphor that Monsieur Nazaire says, which is, I'm going to take your queen. And obviously the queen in this situation is Nicole. You didn't you didn't actually need to explain that last bit. Yeah. Sir. We we got it, we, I promise. We got it. But Lumbre wins. Lumbre um, wins. While also calling Miles a, a bit of a wanker. <laughs> yes, in his uh <laughs> in his in, in, the, in moment. the moment he yeah. says Miles is a bit of a wanker. Following this, we have the daily tea get distributed to both the party of men who are in their quarters and also to the family. We learn from this that the parents are returning, and they are returning to host a dinner and an exclusive parlor games thing. <laughs> yeah. So there'll be a dinner, and what is repeatedly emphasized is that suitors are expected to bring their Regency manner, that this is all about etiquette and making a good impression, and then afterwards, a select few suitors will get to play parlor games. The parents re-enter so we see them coming in on the carriage mr and mrs remy enter while they are reading the daily tea and ask for updates on entrances and exits so as a reminder to us as well since her parents left we had dr hatem leave as well as captain kim and then monsieur nazaire made his entrance her dad, I love her dad. He's just mm-hmm. like so sweet. He said that he's excited to speak to Miles in French. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we do get to see them like speak a little bit in French, mostly Miles. So we cut to the beginning of this fancy dinner. So we see, you know, table settings are being made, little name plates are being put up. And we do see some food also. I didn't notice the food. Was oh, there anything interesting? Or yeah. Just the stuff we saw later. I mean, just the stuff we saw later. But I, I really want to know because we do see them actually eating mm-hmm. throughout this season in a way that you don't see very mm-hmm. much with other shows, especially like The Bachelor, Bachelorette. 
franchise. I really want to know whether the food is any good. Seems like they don't care for the Regency food, <laughs> uh, but it seems like they're not being forced to eat that on a, yeah, regular, on a regular basis. basis. Again, and manners are being emphasized. So you can tell that this is kind of going to be something that matters. Suitors should be on their best behavior, says Mr. Edwards. And we get a interview with Mr. Cohn saying that they've had a lot of Regency, you know, etiquette training, but he has never been to a fancy dinner like this before. And Which, I just related to that so hard. Yeah, I mean, like, I think this episode was really like one for miles. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah it was really made for him to excel at um, and not made for mr cones to excel at because i i mean and i appreciate this like he is in contrast to mr nazaire and to i think those who you know do have this more maybe like wealthy cultured background and it seems like mr cones had like a pretty just kind of i mean i don't know exactly it's interesting we haven't heard much about his background which i think the reasons for which are somewhat already clear and become more clear, mm-hmm. but but it doesn't seem like he's it's he's somebody who's having repertoire. exactly and like that that's real. That's yeah. it's hard to be thrown into that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I had a lot of sympathy yeah, for think, him throughout this. Yeah, and I mean, I think like you know, obviously he's nervous about this. Mister Holland also is kind of nervous, though he mm-hmm. I think has a little bit more like he doesn't let it get to him as much mm-hmm. as Mr. Combs does. Well and I think Mr. Combs is feeling the pressure of mm-hmm. I need to do something to make myself, you know, stand seen, out. stand out. Yeah. And also I think feeling very much like he is not part of this world. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think he fe- he feels like an outsider. So he's sitting at the end of he says he's at the end of the table. He's next to Miles on I don't know, it was kind of confusing. I felt like they were moving around, but maybe yeah. I was just struggling. But he was next to Miles at one point, he was next to Mr. Remy at another point. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he does say in a interview that he's trying to describe Miles and he's like, I should describe him as something French. Uh a crap? A crap? Is that how you say it? A crap? He's a, a crap, crap of crap. crap. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> And new he, insult just dropped. <laughs> he also tries to tell uh, Mr. Nazair, you know, oh, this is your first time meeting the parents. The big thing to know with them is don't speak any French with them. They just, they have a thing about it. Like, they don't like it. Don't, don't <laughs> speak French with them. And obviously, like, everyone laughs and, yeah. like, gives it away. But once they're all seated, uh, Mr. Remy rises to give a toast. And this is where uh, poor Mr. Cones, like, really puts his foot in it. It wasn't um, as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was not as bad. But he, I but, think the thing is that he really yes. felt like it was terrible. Yes. And that, to an extent, like, in part plays into our sympathies but also that was the thing that made it worse was how much he was beating himself up about it yeah so mr remy proposes a toast basically you know saying hello to the gentleman or like whatever and he is sort of it seems like he's wrapping up and i understand why mr combs thought he was done Mm -hmm. and so mr combs goes to speak but Mr. Remy wasn't done, so basically he ends up interrupting. This was relatable to me, to be honest. <laughs> yes, and everyone reacts, or at yeah. least it's made to seem as if everyone is like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I will say, like, yes, it's awkward. I'm sure that the producers were like, how awkward was that? Am I right? You yeah. know, and it is awkward, and everyone kind of does tease him about it. Yeah. But. They aren't snobs. It's not like the no. Remy family is. Like, I will say weirdly, this was what him. 
made me like a little annoyed with Mr. Judge in this episode was yeah. like he seemed to think that Mr. Cones had like done it on purpose because he was just like mm. Mr. Cones interrupted Mr. Remy's toast. Yeah, I don't think that was a good move. And I was like, I don't think he was like trying. It was like it was a bold but not a good very move. It was like mm-hmm. he obviously didn't <laughs> mean to do it. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. This does kind of you know stay with Mr. Cones for yeah. a little bit. Like he gives a toast. He does give a toast. I thought it was fine. Everyone acts like it's horrible, but it was just sort of awkward. Yeah, it's just awkward. Be- and I think the thing that's awkward about it is just how awkward yes, Mr. He's Cones so uncomfortable. Is. Yeah. And as soon as he's done, he sits down immediately and turns to Mr. Remy and says, "Sorry about that." Mr. Remy then invites Monsieur Nasser to give a toast, and of course, Monsieur Nasser stands up and, in contrast to Mr. Cones, is, you know, perfectly comfortable and speaks in French, even though he doesn't actually know whether the Remy's speak French yep, until I, this point. I thought this was so rude. I was like, there's like one person you know for sure yes, can understand dumb. what you were saying in this room. Yeah, um, exactly. But I, It was weird. Um, but of course, we're meant to see it as this very charming, like... Yeah. Culture, which I guess, whatever. I, I did not see it that way. I saw it as a very self-centered move. As you said, he only knows that Dom for sure speaks French. And he doesn't even know as he turns to Mr. Remy and asks after the toast, yes. oh, do you speak French? So it's like, so who was that for? Yes. But he also says, right, like that this is what he's good at. That mm-hmm. he's good at presenting himself a certain way. And that he knows that it makes the men uncomfortable mm-hmm. and if it makes them uncomfortable then too bad he also knows at this point that miss remy doesn't speak french i, I know again, I just... and he again doesn't tell her what he said yeah i just Ugh. to me i just think this is the height of rudeness and i feel like if anybody did it who wasn't like a handsome man in a suit speaking french if it yeah. was like Somebody else had gotten up and given their toast in Spanish. Yeah. I don't think people would be like, oh, wow, so cultured. Yeah, I know. It feels very middle school to me. And it also feels very middle school for him to, like, continually, like, refuse to tell Nicole, like, what he's saying. It feels, he, like, explains it even in this way that if he weren't saying it, with this very suave demeanor, would come across as really infuriating, Mm -hmm. which is... Well, if you don't know what I'm saying, then you'll just be curious. And it, like, just keeps your curiosity about me growing. But he says it, like, his affect is so smooth and charming that it manages to completely soften the fact that he's just being a self-centered dick. Yeah. I mean, Um, he does seem to be charming. He charms Mr. Remy. They do speak in French a little Mm -hmm. bit. And Miss Remy, in her, in the moment, basically says, like, my dad probably sees some of himself in yeah. in Miles. Like, they were really made for each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, they can get married then. <laughs> no. Um, you know, and again, it's like, he I, is charming. I yes. see the charm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like, as somebody who feels like, in life, I'm more of a more of a Mr. Cones than mm. a Mr. Nazaire or even a Mr. Remy. I think I just would feel so alienated mm-hmm. by that level of charm that doesn't seem oriented to me in particular and just Mm -hmm. seems to be about like giving off your best show Mm. even though I do not have the tools to even judge your best show yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's a weird sort of kind of intimidation that is very like male um yeah it's uh I don't know it's weird I do want to note that even though you know Nicole says that that her dad probably sees a lot of himself in Miles 
I really think her dad's a lot nicer than Miles. Yeah. So, you know, just <laughs> putting that out there. Yeah. Um, I, I, perhaps her dad is as charming as Miles. Yeah, I like, think maybe that's sort of yes. the, you know. We do see, they start, you know, eating dinner. Danny B volunteers to carve the roast, despite being pescatarian. My note here is... Is carving a turkey actually that hard? Like, they make a big deal out of this? Apparently it is. Okay. Apparently right. to get, like, good slices that are kind of the right thickness. And I don't know. Apparently, I don't think it's, like, you For know. listeners, Molly is a vegetarian. I am. And but I did grow up eating turkey. Okay. And I did not grow up eating a lot of turkey. <laughs> um, you know, I, th- yeah. I think it is, like, not necessarily, like, surgery. But I think <laughs> to, to do it standing there, okay. you know, not being able to maneuver not being able to get a great angle mm-hmm. and still come out with like nice slices yeah. seems well, good. Becky who I think probably is more familiar with all this was impressed by his oh okay his well, carving skills everybody seems impressed yeah. by his carving skills he seems to do a good job aside from eating turkey they are also eating quote traditional foods of the era which seems to be so cow tongue and I think black pudding my note for the cow tongue is that it looks horribly under seasoned it looks like it's just boiled which is probably a fairly accurate, yeah. um, you know, English food is not known for being wonderfully seasoned, mm-hmm. though their national dish is chicken tikka masala. Um, is it? Yeah. But I would just like to note that there are good preparations of cow tongue that are very flavorful and that are not just like straight up a slab of Tongue. Yes, and um, seeing the slab of cow tongue, if you've never seen it before, can be alarming. I uh, I have a friend who, when I was living with her, she actually cooked a cow tongue, mm-hmm. um, and I sort of walked into the kitchen, and there was just this giant tongue sitting on the mm-hmm. counter, and I was like, that's crazy, that that's just looks a like a tongue. <laughs> a tongue, but it's really big. Um, yeah. You know, and then I think she, like, did a roast with it or whatever, and it's, mm-hmm. it honestly smelled like roast beef. It, yeah, and I mean, it, it didn't seem crazy to me. a slightly different texture. If you're eating it, for example, in tacos de lengua, yeah. it, like, is cut into much smaller pieces, mm-hmm. and so the texture is a little different from just the slice that it seems like Mr. Judge challenges Nicole to eat with him. They try it. But this was but, a cute yeah, moment. Yeah, it was funny. They yeah. try it at the same time. He, like, counts down, and Nicole's face, just, she's just like, oh, I don't want this in my mouth. Yeah, you can have <laughs> everything in her not to just spit that right back out. <laughs> it was really funny. Everyone's, like, laughing. And this is where, you know, Nicole says that she can see Jesse starting to relax. This is, like, the first time that she says it. And she does say it again later on. Mm-hmm. We also see a conversation between Mr. Chapman and Dom that is interesting and that I think, you know, sets up some of the conflict later, which is Mr. Chapman asks Dom how long he's been married, which I think he said six years, five, five years, and how he knew that his wife was basically the right, you know, the right person for him. Dom says that his wife was at Thanksgiving dinner with them and essentially that she just seemed like she was meant to be there. Mm -hmm. And... I think this is interesting because it really aligns with what their whole family's orientation towards family is, right? Yeah. Like, it's someone who fits in with the family. And we have seen Nicole previously say she would never marry someone who her family didn't approve of. Though... Danny B slicing the turkey. Mm. uh, Oh. They were like, oh. 
he's invited to Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. it's like maybe he's winning them over with mm-hmm. his great skill. He does seem to be making more of an effort to yes. win over the family. He recognizes, right, that he did not make a good first impression. And he even says at one point, I think after Miles gives his speech, he's basically like, French is whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm focused on Nicole. And then after that, making a good impression on her family. Yes. Anyway, back to Mr. Chapman. He says in his kind of in the moment that he is terrified of falling in love, changing his lifestyle, and then starting to feel resentment six months down the road. Which, so first he starts off by reminding us once again, I live in a van. We're like, we know. We are aware. Wait, wait. Oh, I see. I thought it was just the back of a pickup truck. (laughs) I just think that like the first time we heard it, it was like, oh my God, what? He lives in a van. Now this point, like, yeah, yeah, we know. You live in a van. But not in a creepy way. (laughs) But not in a creepy way. Uh, Yeah, I thought this was really interesting. And again, I think this is where I was like, this feels genuine and like Mm -hmm. bad. It's bad that you're feeling that in the sense of it's not a great sign, but it's real to be like, Mm -hmm. I have this very particular lifestyle Mm -hmm. and I don't know that I want to change it. And like, if I do, will I be resentful about Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. And interestingly, this was something that I had thought earlier and worried that I was being ungenerous towards him, that it felt like when they were talking, it was always talking about, you know, the fun things that they Mm -hmm. were going to do, the things that were going to fit into his lifestyle, Mm -hmm. right? And I was like, does he really expect Nicole to just, like, live in the van with him? And I thought, you know, maybe it's just easier to discuss the fun things, right? But no, I actually do think that he was just imagining Nicole living in the van. <laughs> <laughs> I think he like had some idea of, of, oh, maybe I'll settle down a little. But I think mm-hmm. his idea, like it really does seem like he he thought yeah. that maybe, oh yeah, this, maybe I'm ready to like settle down. Yeah, and, like, do and he this. does and say I, that. I think he just, the more that became a real possibility, the less it felt like something he wanted. Yeah, that's true. Then we see Miles and Nicole flirting. I wasn't really paying that much attention to what they were saying. This is when she's basically like, oh, I want to know like what you yeah. said mm-hmm. during the dance. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to tell you because then, you know, you'll be curious yeah, about and me. Yeah, keep me around. We also have a little bit of kind of back and forth here with Charlie, where Charlie says some people who were there are like really ruthless, but it's not in his nature to be cutthroat or ruthless. So he's going to have to try and start doing that. And so we think maybe that he's going to like really do something and like throw down and oh no, poor Charlie, like don't lose your sweet innocence. But then he's just like, and, uh, Nicole. <laughs> he just, like, interrupts them. Yeah, he basically just interrupts them, and then, I mean, like, they even kind smiles. of make a joke about, yeah. you know, I think Nicole's like, oh, you know, he interrupted you, now you get to interrupt him, and... Yeah, and Miles is like, okay, yeah, like, I interrupted you, you had the lemon cake, like, your lemon cake takes the floor now, like, go ahead. And so they're kind of, like, joking, and at this point, it doesn't even seem like their enemies, like the sort of enemies that they were set up to be. Yeah. They're just kind of They're sort of laughing. Around. You can see yeah. like maybe there's a little tension, but they're mostly just laughing. And, yeah. Uh, Tessa is also laughing with mm-hmm. them. Uh, looks like she and she and Charlie were having fun together. Yeah, apparently yeah. Uh, she was kind of like his partner in crime behind the scenes, just like both of them being goofy. That's uh-huh. great. I do wish we'd gotten to see more of the kind of goofiness that we have seen from Charlie like post-show um, yes. like on social media media and stuff because he's a riot he's so funny i almost feel like maybe he has gained confidence or something Mm. since then because i just feel like seeing him on social media he seems so himself yeah in a way not that he wasn't himself before but i and you know maybe it's just the the context of like competing against all these other Mm -hmm. guys or whatever 
but I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I felt much more like, oh, like this feels like a grown man who has a good sense of himself in a way that I think he didn't have as much on the show. Yeah. So whether that's a product of the show or what, and, or just time. <laughs> and some people just don't do great on camera. Yeah. Also, he looks like way hotter <laughs> in his modern day clothes <laughs> with his like glasses. His I was glass- like, the glasses are good. Luck. I was like, oh wait, he's like pretty attractive like not that he wasn't but i was like oh he's cute and i was like oh mm-hmm. no he's like hot i would agree charlie previously seemed like really cute and sweet and boyish and i just like the other side that we've gotten to see from him the funny and hot side yeah <laughs> funny and hot gotten to see perfect combo especially when you throw in a lemon cake but anyway yes. um at this point they're like laughing and stuff but then nicole stands up and it is time for the parlor games. So she tells them she's going to invite four people to join her and Tessa for some parlor games. We get a in the moment with Mr. Holland basically saying, like, I really want to be invited. And again, this is one of those like sliding doors things. Like, what would have happened yeah. if he had been invited? Would we have seen the goofy side of him? Yeah, that, it would have been such a good opportunity. Um, and like, maybe not. Like, maybe he would have not fit into that. And yeah. that would have been revealing in and of himself but like she wanted to see his goofy side but i i wish he'd had a few more chances but it's hard because at this point it really is about making your own chances Mm -hmm. rather than being given them yes so we have mr chapman mr mumbray mr bokikio and at this point because they had mr mumbray i knew they were going to invite monsieur nasir because they're still trying desperately to make this a battle of the brits thing and it's Mm -hmm. just not i guess Mm -hmm. so they all go into the parlor for parlor games and mr edwards tells us that parlor games were a chance for young people to be together unchaperoned. Not true. <laughs> they would still, I mean, you could probably be a little more risque in certain ways, but yes. you would still be chaperoned. Yes, there might be like an elderly aunt snoozing in the corner mm-hmm. because she drank too much wine at dinner. Like, that's a certain level of unchaperoned. And we didn't see this, but a lot of the games actually were opportunities to be a little bit more risque, specifically physically. Yes, that's my understanding yeah. as well, based on romance mm-hmm. novels I've read, basically. Yes. So the games that they play, or the one that they play is called Poor Kitty. Poor Kitty. Um, which is actually, as far as I can tell, a modern game. The ones that I think they could have played that are a little bit more risque are Blind Man's Bluff. Where, yeah, so one person sits blindfolded or with their eyes closed, and they have to feel the face of someone else to guess who it is. And, you know, you can see how this could turn a little sensual. Then there's also another one that I had not heard of before. I did a little bit of research called Le Vasseur à la Capuchine, where two people sit back to back holding hands. And they have to try and go over their shoulder. Like one of them has to try and like go over their shoulder to kiss the other person on either the cheek or the mouth mm. while the other person's trying to like dodge them. Mm. So you should have seen Mr. Mumbray and Mr. Nazaire playing that, the true mm. battle of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they play some games. Um, poor Kitty was great just because so it was an funny. opportunity to see Miles just get embarrassed as fuck. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> he had we only saw him being the kitty and he obviously is like very self-conscious about this, yeah. which is the first time we have seen him be self-conscious. 
at all. Yes. So basically it was like he crawled around meowing and people had to pet him and say poor kitty and try not to laugh. Like mm-hmm. that's the whole game. Yeah. And you know, they all did a really bad job of not oh, laughing. They were all laughing. Which is funny because technically once the person laughs, you're then supposed to switch. So we should have also gotten a chance yeah. to see Danny B crawling around. Oh, would have loved that too. I know. But, uh, and also Chapman. But instead we just see Miles being humiliated, which, um, I mean, yeah, there was, <laughs> there was some satisfaction there. Yeah. But back with the boys, the ones who are not there are hoping that they're not playing like seven minutes in heaven. Yeah. So the, the, so the ones who are not there are Mr. Cones, Mr. Hunter, Mr. Holland, and Mr. Judge. Yes. And I feel like they always jump to, like, the worst possible conclusions. Like, in last week's episode when they were like, oh, are they painting Mr. Judge naked? (laughs) It's like, what? Okay. I don't think that's gonna happen, but okay. But in this case, even though they're not playing Seven Minutes in Heaven or Spin the Bottle or whatever, they do start playing some more contemporary games, as I think Tessa suggested this. Mm-hmm. And so they start playing Never Have I Ever. Starts off pretty tame. Tessa asks about tattoos. And then it immediately, Ms. Remy is like, Never Have I Ever Had a Menage a Trois. <laughs> so for tattoos, both Charlie and Miles drank. And for having a Menage a Trois, both Charlie and Miles drank. And speaking of the Le Vasseur à la Capuchine, I was like, hmm, they run in the same social circles. Oh, I was like, I think literally Becky turned to me and I was like, I wonder if it was with each other. That would have been hilarious. What if that's why there was some awkwardness between Uh, them at first? um, (laughs) Then there's one about Charlie, like, really brings the scandal level way down again. Mm -hmm. So never have I ever had more than one piercing. But that is a good way to make sure that both of the women have to drink because they yes. have both their ears yes. and then Miles the dun, shit dun, stirrer dun. Miles is just stirring a pot over here he goes never have I ever feared commitment and there's sort of this long pause and Mr. Chapman takes a drink and okay this kind of blew my mind a little bit in the sense of never never have any of you mm-hmm. ever feared commitment yeah ever and also like <laughs> miss remy takes it correctly right but, but at that like, moment i think it's not yeah. apparent yeah that that's the case as him not being ready for or wanting commitment with her and she specifically um says you know that she feels like an idiot because their relationship has moved quickly and she was intimate with him mm-hmm. and i felt really bad for her in this moment but also i was like did they take this out of context or like what because like, he didn't say he, he didn't say that he was afraid of commitment with her. Right. Like, the dude lives in a van. Obviously, he's been afraid of commitment yeah, at some all point. all kinds of commitment. Um, yeah. yeah. And I just, I, I think later on Twitter, he said, basically, like, I was just telling the truth and mm-hmm. every and other person in that room has feared totally commitment lying. at some point. And, you know, and Tessa, like, says, you know, I appreciate the honesty. Because yeah. as just stated, obviously, he has been afraid to commit to living in one place. Yeah. at a time you know like there are different kinds of commitment yes and i mean i just think that it's a normal thing to at some point fear commitment yeah I especially mean, like they're all in their 20s yeah like very whatever. yeah who so, was like a teenager was never like oh no i don't want to 
be in a serious relationship now because you think that that relationship is going to be the last one you ever right. have, right? Like, and so I think there was like a part of Mr. Chapman that hoped that this would be like a way to open up a conversation mm-hmm. with Miss Remy, but like obviously it wasn't going to happen here. Yeah. And then it just didn't really happen. While all this is happening, so when we're seeing the other guys, we also have Mr. Hunter, like, speculating about... It was so bad. I felt like it was such a stretch. Yeah, he was like, he was like, well, you know, I feel like Mr. Holland and Mr. Judge, like, you guys were on the card last week, but you, like, impressed her. So, so you won't be on the card, on card this, this week, week. So I'm, like, glad to be in the room with you. And Mr. Combs, who has said that he feels like a dog turd for interrupting Mr. Remy. <laughs> Uh, is like, and how do you feel about being in the room with me? <laughs> yeah, I felt here like Mr. Hunter was trying to reassure perhaps Mr. Holland specifically. Yeah. But it's kind of like, well, that's not how the dance card works. Oh, well. So once the parlor games are over, I guess they, I mean, they all drink a bunch. So the next morning they're like hanging around Mr. Edwards in his voiceover makes a joke about them needing hangover cures mm-hmm. and someone i can't remember who said like does that tea have electrolytes in it? i think it might have been mr chapman and mr nazaire again shitster extraordinaire yeah immediately brings up like hey remember how you were asked about commitment and you like yeah. took a big drink yeah hey hey everyone remember that one time uh when mr chapman was like massively afraid of commitment oh my god <laughs> wild anyone uh, remember that oh you weren't there oh ha, 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 i must have forgotten oh. so <laughs> then we get like a nice scene of miss remy and mom. her mom kind of going on a walk and catching up and 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 discussing things and i think you know this is one of the times we do get to see her processing stuff with someone yeah i really liked this it was really cute she asks her mom, who are your faves? And her mother tells her Mr. Hunter, which I think we already knew that her parents really liked Mr. Hunter because they're the ones who picked him for yes. the first date, which went really well, obviously, but they haven't gotten that much time together since. Her mom says, you know, Mr. Hunter's really confident in himself and he seems like he would be a great person to have in your life, right? Nicole then asks and also kind of tells her mom about Monsieur Nasser. Nicole says that, you know, she likes that he is charming and the life of the party. And then they start talking about Mr. Holland. Mm-hmm. And she has a few different concerns. So one is that he feels so serious. He has, is kind of <laughs> ready to commit mm-hmm. already. You know, like, yeah. he sees her and is like, I believe you are the one. And she just doesn't necessarily feel that same degree of certainty at all and it's an interesting reversal from some of the other guys right where she's like i need you to move faster Mm -hmm. with him she's like i need you to move slower yeah that's a hard balance i mean i think the the difficulty is that he keeps telling her how certain he is about her and when someone is like so overtly certain and expressing so much certainty even if your doubts are not that big, mm-hmm. it really amplifies them, right? Like, it just highlights them in contrast. Yes. And so this is something I think is really on her mind every time she's with him, because every time he's with her, he tells her how sure he yeah. is about her. And so then, I mean, I can imagine in her head, she's probably like, well, I can't say that I'm super sure about you. And so it feels like to reciprocate that would be lying and therefore in doing that right it just highlights the fact that she has these concerns yes 
And then I don't know if she brings it up or Mrs. Remy first, but there's there's a worry about him being too serious in terms mm-hmm. of his temperament as well. Yeah. And, and again, we we talked about this already, but basically Nicole's already said she she likes laughing and life of the party. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I think like a lot of the relationships that she's had on the show that seem very good whether you know romantic or just friendship or whatever do seem to be very you know there's a lot of ability to laugh with them and kind Mm -hmm. of have this fun time with them and she had that on a few occasions well one occasion at least that i can think of with mr holland but she doesn't Mm -hmm. see again she doesn't get to see that side of him very often yeah i mean i'm i'm really glad that we got to see this conversation with her mom in part because you know obviously family is so important to her and Mm -hmm. it's like a big theme on the show but also because I think it will probably play into her decision making. As we've discussed, she has said that she would never pick someone who her family does not approve of. Mm-hmm. And what you were saying earlier about perhaps Mr. Hunter being one of kind of the final three, I think I can see him sticking around for a while because she feels like perhaps he should be right for her because her parents see it, right? Yeah. You know, she's obviously eliminated people that her parents really love. Mm-hmm. So it, it seems like she still has to have some degree of, yes, I feel this yeah. or no, I don't, mm-hmm. in order to decide one way or the mm-hmm. other. But yeah, I think obviously her, her parents' opinion and her family's opinion matters. And I think there's also probably a degree to which she's like, hey, my mom knows me really well because mm-hmm. she's my mom. So she probably has a good sense of who is or isn't, you know, a good match for me or mm-hmm. like who might just not be compatible or who who would I could have a good life with. Yeah. Fortunately, we do get to see another side of her mom this time. Oh, yes. Because they are going play pigeon shooting yeah. um, with so her family. The, the boys who didn't get to play parlor games get to shoot clay pigeons and so out come mr hunter mr cones mr judge and mr holland all sort of dressed in this like shooting outfit it was a it was more 20th century than 19th century at this point men's fashions change at a much slower pace often than women's fashions do i would say that like the men's fashions yes especially the hats are certainly more 20th century a little bit like late 19th perhaps Mm -hmm. similarly the ladies' sporting outfits are also much more twenty, like early 20th century mm-hmm. than they are Regency, yeah. which I don't know why. Maybe it's just because the sporting outfits from the early 20th century are more attractive than the ones yeah. from the And there's probably 19th. like a practicality yeah. component as well. Fortunately, just as a note, they are wearing safety glasses and earplugs, so... Safety first. Wait, I forgot also in regard to their outfits. Nicole does not seem to love these outfits. <laughs> she says, they look good, but they look like Elmer Fudd. <laughs> Especially funny. Dan. And she's oh. just cracking up. Mm-hmm. I forgot that Mr. Hunter's name is Dan because we have had mm-hmm. three Daniels. Yes. Two Dannys. Two Dannys and a Dan. A Dan. All right. I don't know. So Mrs. Remy is very excited about this shooting outing. She does say that her shooting skills are rusty, but this is not true. Um, at least not as far as we see. No. She's former military, and she just totally aces yeah. the shooting, which intimidates the fuck out of Mr. Combs. Poor Mr. Combs, like, this episode was just like, 
let's scare Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's like, oh crap, Mrs. Remy is an actual professional sniper woman. Yeah, I thought this was funny because it was like a real role reversal from the overproductive dad yeah. with the shotgun, whatever. And here it was like, sniper mom. <laughs> sniper mom, uh, yeah. Um, while the guys are shooting, Nicole starts asking the guys, like, gotcha questions or, like, silly questions, kind of. Yeah, I think she's just kind of having fun a little yeah. bit, but also just seeing how they react or what mm-hmm. they say. She says in her In the Moment, I always like to put guys in the spot and, and derail their confidence. <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> I appreciate her, like, particular form of playfulness. Mm-hmm. One question she asks Mr. Judge is, so, would you take my last name? Yeah. Which is... She always waits to ask a question, like, right as they're shooting, yeah. too, just kind of. Um, and he says he's not sure he would take her last name. And normally, I would be like... Hmm, I don't know, a little too traditional there for for me at least. But in this case, I will admit that Jesse Judge sounds like much better than Jesse Remy. <laughs> See, I'm like, eh, that's fine as long as you don't expect me to take your last name. Yeah, like exactly. we can just keep our own last name. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, but I, I think I liked that she asked the question because I think you know if somebody's hackles had really been raised, oh, yeah. you know, that like mm-hmm. what? That's horrifying. No woman should yeah. ever ask such a thing of a man. <laughs> Um, <laughs> like your uh, weird misogynist yeah. accent there, Molly. Like, this is what a misogynist sounds like. Uh, <laughs> um, Mr. Holland, as he's shooting, is asked, how do you feel about getting my name tattooed on your butt? And he goes, what font? <laughs> yep. What font would you like? So he's down. Mm-hmm. Mr. Cones is asked, how do you feel about a shotgun wedding? And he basically is just like, oh, man, you distracted me. (laughs) Sorry, honey, but I don't think you were going to make that shot anyway. And then in a complete deviation, she asks Mr. Hunter a serious question, Mm -hmm. which is, have you ever lived with a woman who's not your sister? And he kind of pauses a second and then he says, yes. And does not elaborate at all. Not at all. Um, But this piques Nicole's interest. She, again, in the moment, sort of is saying... This makes me want to know more about Mr. Hunter's intimate past. She says, you know, we had this great date, but we haven't really talked since then, and I don't know that much about him. Yeah. Fortunately, he's going to take her up on this opportunity, kind of. Yeah, sort Um, of. So the shooting ends. It seems like it's raining, so they have to go inside. And most of the men return to the suitor's quarters, but... Mr. Hunter decides, decides to go find Miss Remy with and some flowers. Yeah, he brings flowers. Very nice bouquet. And he he's like, I need some alone time with her. He finds her in this room where she's reading and a bunch of her dresses are hanging. I don't know what room it was. Yeah. But what do you think she was reading? Oh, you know, I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah, I have no idea. I just oh, am well. curious like what <laughs> books they would be like. Given mm. like you can only read Jane Austen I know, or Etiquette Guides. Like you're only allowed to read Pride and Prejudice. But yeah, so she sees that he has come to find her. She's really pleased by mm-hmm. this, but she also takes it as an opportunity to follow up on yes. that earlier little peak of interest, right, about his past dating life. So she tries asking him about his past dating history. Yeah. She says, can you give me an idea of what your past dating life looked like? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really answer. Yeah. And then she basically asks him, are, are you holding back something? Yeah. Like, and, what's going on here? And then again, another sort of long pause. And then he says, yeah. 
Oh, and, and this was kind of weird to me because, like, I really wondered if there was more to this conversation we weren't getting because it doesn't seem like that big a deal to, like, ask just, like, at the most basic, like, what's your past dating life yes. been like? I mean, I get, like, if there was something that was really traumatic or something that might give someone pause, but I feel like normally you can just be like, hey, you know, I've dated, like, a few people, there was one person I was really serious with, it did not end well, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, yeah. and I feel like you don't actually have to get that in depth. My thought was, like, maybe he's been married and he didn't know how to mm. say that. Yeah, um, he is one of the older but, older but yeah. in that he's, like, probably in his early 30s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I agree. So we get, you know, again, interviews with each of them they're in the moments and first he is basically his is sort of saying oh yeah like i came in ready to be vulnerable but i'm not very good at it Mm -hmm. i don't trust a lot of people i i kind of froze up yeah and she says he's got these walls and Mm -hmm. i don't know how i could be with someone who can't open up and Mm -hmm. communicate with me yeah And I do understand that, like, yeah, it's an artificial timeline, right? It's, Mm -hmm. like, artificially sped up. But at the same time, like, that's part of the deal, right? You have to be willing to go into it. And it seems like this episode, we're really getting several men. Yeah. Both of whom end up on the dance card later, who came into this thinking that they were ready for one thing. And then it turns out that, like, maybe they're having a little more difficulty than they had anticipated. But, yeah, speaking of someone else who is realizing that perhaps he is not as ready for something as he thought, back in the men's quarters, Mr. Chapman's realizing that he is not perhaps actually ready to commit and Mm -hmm. to give up his van life hashtag van life and i mean i really don't think that he expected to get to a front runner position i don't think he expected to have feelings for nicole perhaps but he's expressing it to the men now yeah so he says to them he basically says i think i'm gonna be on the dance card i will have to use tonight as an opportunity to talk about Mm -hmm. my fears you Mm -hmm. know and i think in his interview like not to them but just in general he says a little more clearly like I came into this searching for love and thinking that I'd be able to propose or maybe that maybe I'd be able to propose but if that's what she wants immediately I don't think I can give it to her yeah and again that takes I think you're right like he didn't expect these feelings he didn't expect this situation and I think he's having to be like oh fuck like I have to actually evaluate Mm -hmm. everything yeah and i mean because i think that it's one thing to be like okay i understand the premise of the show i could potentially fall in love i could be asked if i'm ready for commitment right but then it's another thing to like actually experience that right and so probably when he was you know agreeing to be on the show he was asked these things in an abstract manner but hadn't actually confronted them really in their actuality. This, though, does seem to also spark something in Mr. Combs. Yeah. Um, I mean, he says basically that, like, they all just need to be open with Nicole. Mm -hmm. The best thing we can do for each other and ourselves is to be as honest and direct with her as we possibly can be. Yeah. And then we get a a side with him telling the camera that he wants to dive deeper with her and wants her to know every bit of him. Mm Mm-hmm. And that he has something to tell her, but he doesn't quite know how to do it, but he knows he needs to pull the trigger on some serious stuff with Mm -hmm. Nicole. And we're like, 
What? I will say, like, interestingly to me, this is now, I think, like, perhaps the third time that Mr. Combs has been set up in direct contrast with another suitor who has fallen short on something, Mm. which is part of why I was like, oh, maybe there is something there. Like, maybe he will make it further because... At this point, he's been set up in contrast now to Hunter and Chapman, mm-hmm. also to Danny B, mm-hmm. and finally to Mr. Safa. Yeah. So that's like a consistent pattern yeah. of him stepping up and making her feel good, having difficult conversations with her, expressing vulnerability when these other men won't. Yes, because he's a great man. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> but maybe he's also kind of like, Sneaking yeah. in, you know, yeah. under the radar. So we're reminded it's the day of the farewell ball, and Mr. Combs wants to talk to Miss Remy. And so he has gone to find her by the lake, bringing some, you know, wine or champagne or something with him. And again, in his, in the moment, he says, I don't want to hide anything from Nicole. I want to set us up for success, which I really liked. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's not just about being vulnerable to be vulnerable. It's about also, like, if you're going to have a relationship with a person, like, mm-hmm. going in as honestly as you can probably yes. helps with the success mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So I, like, wrote down almost this entire conversation. Go so for it, So do you want me to just kind of, okay. So I'll, I'll read it and then we can talk it through. Okay. So Mr. Cohen's basically asked her, how are you doing? Which, again, I appreciate that he, mm-hmm. that's his first question. Yeah. Um, and she... Tells him, like, it's really tough. You know, it's hard. I'm, I'm falling for different guys or I'm feeling these things for different guys. And I realize I really need to start asking how serious each of you are about some kind of commitment at the end of this. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Combs is like, oh, is that a, is that a question for me? <laughs> um, and he's like, well, you know, actually, I came here right now because I'm so serious. And he tells her, I want to show up and be the most bare version of myself. There can't be any armor. There can't be any walls. There can't be anything. And for me, I consider myself sexually fluid. She says, okay. I'm, and then he continues, I'm so sick of being labeled or being told what I have to do or have to be. And you could be easily the love of my life. No doubt about it. But also I wouldn't rule out like there could be a dude out there for me. It doesn't really boil down to the gender. I just want to love who I love freely without thinking twice about why I love them. And she tells him, I'm so appreciative that you're opening up in that way. That's huge to me. And she also says, and we kind of get it in the moment with her mm-hmm. saying, I'm over the moon that he's feeling that comfortable with me. Yeah. So again, like somebody is really opening mm-hmm. up to her. Yeah. And then then he basically says, you know, it shouldn't be this. It shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be hard to have to talk about these mm-hmm. things. And she tells him that she really appreciates that because, you know, when she thinks about having kids, she hopes that they won't have to, like, come out to her. Okay. They can just tell her, this is who I am. And Christian is like, God, you know, just when I think you're at the top, you just <laughs> kick it up another notch. You keep surprising me. And we get in his in the moment that he says this is one of the best conversations of his life. And he never thought that he could speak about some of these things. But he couldn't have asked for Nicole to receive it any better. And he's never felt that safe. Then he asks to kiss her. And they do kiss. And I think this is the first time we've seen them kiss. This is the first time they've kissed, at least, that we've seen. 
And then she says, right, that his openness and his love for everyone would make him a really good husband and parent. Yes, exactly. Just he's always been so vulnerable and I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I loved this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And I just thought it felt really important to me. Yes. I again don't know every dating show, but I don't think I have ever seen I think you told me that mm-hmm. this has happened on other shows, but it did not go well. Yeah, um, so on Love is Blind, on the first season, there was, I, I do not remember any of their names, <laughs> but there was a male contestant who was black, and he like ended up in a partnership or an engagement with a black woman, and part of what the audience knew, but he did not tell her until after they were engaged, was that he is bisexual Mm -hmm. and it was something that he I think had kept meaning to tell her Mm -hmm. before they got engaged and then it became like this huge secret between them and then when he did tell her she was like why didn't you tell me earlier and it was a whole thing I didn't watch this so it's something that like I heard about so I don't know all the details but apparently it just went really poorly I mean that sounds like a whole tough other kind of situation yeah exactly but I think here, you know, I, I appreciated that he felt like he wanted to tell her that she responded well, that, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that we also got a glimpse of who he really is in the sense of, you know, this thing where he says, like, I don't want to be labeled. I don't mm-hmm. want to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. And he sort of clarified later on, I think both Twitter and Instagram, that, you know, he grew up in a very patriarchal, toxic masculinity, homophobic racist kind of environment Mm -hmm. and that the process of breaking out from that has made him just sort of be like I don't want to be told who I am who I can love what's right but like I I want to be myself um, and not have that dictated to me yeah and again we haven't seen him talk about his family we Mm -hmm. haven't he's like maybe the only suitor we haven't seen talk about his family and I think that there's seems to be a reason for that if that Mm -hmm. is his background but I think in being like it is so important to me to like be able to be open be Mm -hmm. honest I think that's saying the kind of family he wants to have at the very least right yeah and I mean part of what's so groundbreaking about this right is not just that we don't really see people coming out or you know being open about Mm non-heterosexual sexualities on dating shows all the time but specifically that we really don't see men do it yes right and so like there have been cases within like the bachelor franchise right uh specifically as you said before femme presenting like pretty like normatively femme presenting especially white women Mm -hmm. coming out as bi i think there was even some version of the bachelor in an asian country where two of the women ended up together yeah so that's I like, remember but that, that. I think that's the only non-white yeah version of this that I know of but often it is a particular kind of presentation of queerness and one that is palatable for a mass audience mm-hmm. like as we were kind of talking about before and I think masculinity is still something that is like so entrenched um that it's much more difficult 
for people to see men as fluid, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Not just in terms of sexuality, but I think women are often given more leeway to be kind of quote-unquote tomboys or... Yeah. um, And again, like, I just want to put, like, you know, asterisks around all of that in terms of, like, it depends how long and your presentation and your race and your sexuality and, like, Mm -hmm. you can be a tomboy, but you can't be a lesbian and, like, you know, all all these things. But, yeah, I think there is... In large part, I would say because feminism has done so much work to open mm-hmm. up things for women that has actually had ripple effects into broader culture, that we, we then do see more options for women and, like, a little more flexibility yeah. around how they can present and how they can But at the same be. time, right, like, as you're saying, like, which wave of feminism is the one that has become more mainstream, yeah. right? And also, feminism is not just... True feminism is not just for straight, cis, white women, Mm -hmm. right? Or for cis white women, right? Right. And so we're still, obviously, like, still having a lot of pushback in terms of women of color and trans women and non-binary people and the fact that feminism isn't just for women and for non-binary people and for, for trans women, it's also for men and for trans men and you know like there it is something that is just as femininity and masculinity each impact each other Mm -hmm. feminism is something that is meant to also allow men more opportunities for as christian comes is saying like be who he is yeah right yeah um he can be you know more soft than, mm-hmm. like, emotional and open and fluid than this traditional version of straight cis masculinity Yes, would have him be. And I think the other part of it is that we don't see men who are not straight as romantic mm. interests for women. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And partially, I think that has to do with this idea of, like, oh, like, for men, sexuality really isn't fluid. You know, they're gay or they're not. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there is this degree of belief. And this is something people have talked about in in romance novels and stuff, too, where we are getting more sort of, like, bi representation Mm -hmm. and even in sort of straight relationship between men and women. But I feel like it's much rarer to see ones where the man is not straight because even our ideas about, like, who... The, the feminine gaze or whatever, mm-hmm. I think, is able to offer women more possibilities because we, like, identify with it or whatever. And yet we still have this more constricted idea of what makes a hero, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Like, what makes a hero? What yeah. makes a, a man desirable? Mm-hmm. And I think sexual fluidity is usually not. So, Molly, do you have, not to put you on the spot here or anything, but do you have any recommendations for queer romance novels? I mean, just generally? Generally, and then, I mean, if you have any with uh, perhaps less stereotypical male leads. Yeah. Well, okay, so there's a lot of very good queer romance. And so I would recommend anything Kat Sebastian has written. And she has a, a lot of her romance is um, male-male. She has also some female-female, I think one with some non-binary characters. And then her newest one coming out is like two queer like it's a man and a woman but they're both queer so she really has like written across the different kinds of spectrum Mm -hmm. sure it's historical 
Uh, K.J. Charles also writes historical romance and is excellent. Writes queer historical romance, including queer and trans characters. E.E. E. Ottoman writes queer and trans romance, um, and he is a trans man, and uh, really has like done a lot to push the genre mm-hmm. in terms of trans representation. Um, there's a lot of contemporary... They, they all write historical. There are a lot of contemporary romances out that are, are queer, and I haven't read a lot of them. I just like historicals, you know me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that I can think of any... Oh, Alyssa Cole. I'll recommend mm-hmm. anything Alyssa Cole writes. She writes... I don't know that she writes queer men, but she writes both male-female and female-female. Mm-hmm romances yeah i'm just listing authors but that's because it really is it's a very robust field Mm -hmm. right now of of romance and so even as i'm saying oh there are these limitations there are things you see less Mm -hmm. often like that's becoming less and less true because i think these authors and uh and readers and other people who i'm sure i'm forgetting and i like should be naming Mm -hmm. have really pushed the genre Mm -hmm. to go harder and go further Mm -hmm. in terms of representation yeah. I mean, before we move on, I also just want to kind of follow up on that in terms of representation. Part of what you were saying earlier, I think, has to do with bi erasure and pan erasure, too, which, like, I think obviously are related, but yeah. essentially the erasure of what I think Christian is referring to as sexual fluidity, right? Yes. Where there's this idea that you either are straight or you are gay. And that essentially, like, any deviation from where you end up ultimately, mm-hmm. quote unquote, right, is experimentation, supposedly. Yeah. Or it's a, a quote unquote phase. Um, so I really want to emphasize, right, that, like, if Christian were to end up with Nicole, that does not mean that he is not sexually fluid suddenly right right? and there's this there's this big like not only is there an erasure whenever someone says like oh you know bi women are actually just straight women who are confused or whatever you know Mm -hmm. like they're trying to be quirky or you Mm -hmm. know like that's something that happens a lot but it's also this idea that if you end up in a long-term partnership with someone who is, say, of another gender, gender that that just overwrites everything else and that suddenly you are straight. No, you're in a straight partnership, but that doesn't mean that those feelings of attraction or the possibility of attraction to people of Mm -hmm. other genders goes away, right? Mm -hmm. And similarly, you know, if Christian were to leave the show and end up in a relationship, as he says, with a dude, that doesn't mean that he was not attracted to Nicole, right? right? Or that he was just trying to be straight. So I think the, the erasure happens not just in terms of not getting to see people on the page or on the screen, but also in how we then kind of attempt, and I say we, like, just culturally, right? How the broader culture attempts to kind of rationalize different experiences that deviate from the kind of norm that we see, whether that is straightness or as like, you know, queerness is becoming more and more visible, mm-hmm. right? There's still an attempt to kind of rationalize queerness in a way. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, bisexuality, pansexuality, and 
other things like asexuality or gray sexuality, as well as different gender presentations, <laughs> all make this a lot harder to shoehorn, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is good, mm-hmm. but also we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. We're not at that point yet where people feel like they can just, like, hopefully when Nicole has teenage children at some some point, they can just bring a partner home and yeah. it's not a conversation, right? Yeah. And, like, maybe they have a label, maybe they don't, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a yeah an act of defying the, the normative expectation mm-hmm. because the normative expectation is no longer there. Yeah. Right? That's the hope. Yeah. At this point... The normative expectation is still that, like, grappling with your sexuality and your gender identity is a big deal. Mm -hmm. That it's not, like, quote-unquote normal, right? But I think, you know, when people say, oh, well, straight people don't have to come out, what they're really saying is straight people don't have to do that kind of, or don't have to be aware of that exploration of their sexuality. And it should just be normal, the fact that as people are growing up, all of us are exploring and experiencing our gender and our sexuality. That's why, like, when people are, there's that whole talk about, like, grooming or whatever, and, like, oh, you want to talk about sexuality with children. And it's like, no, we already are talking about sexuality with children. You are showing them Disney films, right? You are showing them love stories. That itself is an experience of sexuality. Yes. I mean, I would say, like, this is actually one of the reasons why I think romance novels can be great, is that I think if you go into them understanding them as this is me exploring sexuality, even if you are a straight person, straight cis person reading about straight cis people. And you've, like, always known or, like, never questioned I think there still is a lot of exploring what that means. What does sexuality mean? What does heterosexuality mean? Yes. Um, What does love mean Mm -hmm. all of this Mm -hmm. and like what exploration of sexuality and like one's understanding Mm -hmm. of one's like gender and place in the world happening in those novels it's not yeah i mean like the fact that we don't talk about straight Mm -hmm. cis hetero explorations of gender and sexuality is part of why there is still this toxic culture around like straight cis women like not knowing how to communicate their pleasure or not Mm -hmm. knowing how to say no or feeling like they have to just go along with things, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so being able to recognize that we do need to have these explorations, that we already are having these explorations, but also making those things more normal and more explicit. Name the fact that that is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, we need to defamiliarize to, to, you Mm -hmm. know, do a sort of Englishy thing. (laughs) defamiliarize the concept of sexuality or yeah. straightness or really everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think anyway, so, yeah, so all this... that's to say, I love you, Mr. Combs. <laughs> yes. And like this conversation went a little bit of the way towards making that more available yes. to everyone, including men. Right? Yes. And I just think, again, this show, we I think we've talked about it being, though it feels more progressive in certain ways, maybe than other, like The Bachelor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's still being targeted toward a broad audience mm-hmm. and I'm sure has some kind of broad viewership. And so even though, yes, what Christian is ultimately saying here is basically like, love is love and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be weird. And the majority of people would be like, well, yeah, okay. I think it still is a step further to say, and I am, mm-hmm. you know, 
a sexually fluid person or yeah. however he wants yeah. to, you know, who is like, like on your screen, on, on your screen, who is a romantic interest, who is kissing this girl mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Like, who like has not gotten sent home, even though like we're two thirds of the way through the show. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of being two thirds of the way through the show, though, we do have to get to the, the farewell ball. Yeah. Oh. This is where like I have a lot written. Down. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let you lead, lead yeah. on this because. All right. I mean, this was just such an emotional, emotional Mm -hmm. ball. So I'm just going to kind of jump right into the eliminations here. The people on the dance card, because last week we didn't get anyone sent home, we have Mr. Chapman, Mr. Mumbray, Mr. Holland, and Mr. Hunter. So we have four dances. And we get the sense, right, that it's going to be more than one person sent home this week. Um, I really thought that Mr. Chapman and Mr. Hunter might be going. So, like, obviously my instincts were way off base because instead we have, as discussed previously, Mr. Mumbray and Mr. Holland who leave. Mm -hmm. So the way the ball unfolds is a little different from normal, which is that she has her conversations with Mr. Mumbray and Mr. Holland first, and then we have a little break, and then she just keeps the other two. But I want to talk about how her conversations with Mr. Mumbray and Mr. Holland unfold. So um, with Mr. Mumbray, they are about to start dancing, but then they don't actually end up dancing. So in this this bit, they don't accomplish the dancing bit. (laughs) She does accomplish the farewell bits in a reversal from last week. She starts off by telling Charlie all the things that she appreciates about him, you know, that he makes an effort and that he gets along with her family so well. He's so sweet. But she says, she stops and says that she's worried that they are such good friends that they can't get past that kind of friendship state, right? She uses the phrase friend zone here. And I want to note that like the way that she's using friend zone is, and I think the way that a lot of women use friend zone is like very different from Mm -hmm. how a lot of men use friend zone it's not a thing you do to a person (laughs) yeah it is not a thing you do to a person and the way that men often use the term friend zone implies that it is like a hurdle to be overcome and that like any guy could get past that hurdle and be with whichever woman they want which is not true people just aren't compatible all the time Mm -hmm. in various ways right But, you know, she says, basically, she thinks that maybe they're just better off as friends. And she tells him this this concern. And he says, you know, like, I feel a little differently from you. He tells her that they need more time alone to kind of learn the little things about each other, which, like, I thought was really sweet. Mm -hmm. And also really made me think about how a show like this, whether it's in the Regency format or not, um... These shows don't allow for you to get those little moments Mm -hmm. of, like, learning. Like, you may be able to learn someone's mannerisms, but you don't get to, you know, see see them order coffee, right? Or you don't get to um, see them, like, get excited about, like, I don't know. Their favorite TV show. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There are all these little moments that when you're dating someone in the real world, you get to witness and you get to 
kind of have that be something that becomes part of your relationship to them and with them, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes those things are things that, like, become a comfort to you and that make you really like and love someone. So I just really appreciated that that's, like, how he's thinking about this, Mm -hmm. even if he hasn't been in love before, right? I feel like... Charlie, you'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he says that he sees her as more than a friend, but he can't force her to feel the same. No. And she essentially says she doesn't think the romance is there, which is hard because he's incredible. And mm-hmm. she starts kind of tearing up here. And this is so hard because it's something that's like, you're such an incredible person. Why don't I feel that spark? I should be able to feel that spark, right? And he says, you know, that's fine. And not to feel bad. He says, you know, you're allowed to feel that way. And I feel like if anyone else had said this, it might have sounded a little condescending. But, like, it felt like he was reminding her, right? Yeah. That her feelings are valid, even if those feelings hurt him. Which, you know, he's just so, such a good guy. I know. Um, At this point, everyone's crying. Everyone Um, is crying. Everyone's crying. Especially her sister. Oh my god, yeah, we Um, knew she loved him. Yeah, apparently they might, like, do some baking together or something. He has said that, like, the Remy family have become his friends for life, and I just love that. Um, But yeah, he hugs her whole family, and her mom says that she doesn't know what they'll do without him. I'm tearing up at this point. Like, it's just so sweet and, like, kind of bittersweet, you know? Mm -hmm. He leaves, and in his exit, he says that he wants to feel love, but, you know, he hasn't had that experience yet. So it's hard because he just doesn't know what he's missing. He also says, you know, they didn't have that spark and you can't fake that. Mm -hmm. So essentially what I got from this farewell was that she sent him home because they didn't have chemistry. Or they didn't have, like, enough kind of romantic sexual chemistry. On the other hand, she sends Mr. Holland home because, as she tells him, she doesn't think they're compatible enough. So it's this kind of different, but I think very closely related reason, right? There are, like, these two components of deciding to be with someone, and we kind of saw each of those come into play today, or in this episode. So Mr. Holland starts by saying, you know, he thinks that they have a really deep connection, and that he thinks that he's shown her that he can be more lighthearted, and he says this kind of, like, to the camera. But then when they actually start talking... She tells him, like, she appreciates the effort that he made to show her that side of him, but she's still worried about it. Mm -hmm. So even though he tried, he made that effort, there's still questions of compatibility there that she can't get past. So she even um, mentioned sort of saying, you know, I think even my family, I think probably referring to a conversation Mm -hmm. with her mom, you know, even my family has concerns about compatibility like they can see that maybe we're not quite the right thing. yeah and what's interesting here is that he says you know that her goofiness and her sense of humor are part of what is attractive about her to him but sometimes things like that just don't don't work out right yeah so he tells her it's okay if she doesn't feel the same and again she's mm-hmm. crying everyone's starting to tear up but she's crying now and he he comforts her And he says it's okay, he doesn't want anything to feel forced. He came with an open heart, and it hurts to not be chosen, because he does feel like he is right for her. 
but he appreciates her honesty mm-hmm. and like, her her transparency throughout this process. And she tells him that he deserves someone who matches his care for them. And I just, I really want to kind of highlight this like continued care that she has for each of the men. Yeah. But also that like more and more we are seeing, like she has picked a group of guys who like really do also demonstrate that care for her. Yes. And part of their demonstration of that care is making sure that she knows like she is allowed to have her feelings because like her impulse is to say I'm sorry and to like apologize for hurting them. And I just really appreciate that like in this instance, right, Mr. Holland is recognizing, yes, I am hurt, this hurts me, that's okay. You're allowed to do something that hurts me. You don't have to just stay with me because you don't want to hurt my feelings. Yeah. Like, sometimes we do things that hurt other people Mm -hmm. and people that we care about. Mm -hmm. And that sucks. Life. (laughs) but, But it doesn't mean that we are at fault or in the wrong for doing so. Right? Yeah. Um, And I just really, I appreciate that there's that recognition of that nuance. So all the men at this point come down from the balcony. Oh my god, Um, everyone is sobbing. Everyone's sobbing. Mr. Hunter is crying. He's wiping away here. (laughs) They all come down and give give Jaquan hugs. And as Miss Remy walks him out, because she does walk him out to continue their farewell, they all applaud him. She brings out the like red cape that he wore on their date and she gives it to him as a farewell gift and they tell each other that they really care Mm -hmm. about each other they both say i'll miss you and and i care about Mm -hmm. you yeah so with that we have mr mumbray and mr holland two of my faves are gone i also want to note that mr mumbray has said specifically that jacquan is like his best friend from this and i just yeah, love that. i love it <laughs> i'm tearing up right now sorry <laughs> but yeah i love a good a good friendship um makes me all warm and fuzzy inside um okay so <laughs> so she comes back in she's still tear yeah she's yes like emma is right now <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> and she she tells hunter and chapman that she wants them to stay her voice is breaking yeah it's this. a really interesting moment yeah. because it's like she's just like okay we're not like going on with the yeah rest we're of not thing. doing she's like i want you guys to stay yeah. like like uh, that's enough <laughs> and like uh-huh. it's good like again i mm-hmm want her to have that conversation mm-hmm. she needs to have with yes. Mr. Chapman, that would not have been the time. She was yeah. already pretty wrecked. Yeah. Seems like it's not going to go well, but... Mm-hmm. But Chapman, instead, he does go up to her, right? Mm-hmm. And he does tell her, he says that he's falling for her and that he's crazy about her and that, like, he would break all the rules for her. And the thing is that this was such a moment of, like, positive... Yeah, I think that's that fair. It, I think it was a misstep. Yeah. Because, you know, she says that it's the first instance of someone telling her that they're falling for her, that she feels like she can begin to reciprocate. And I, like, he he knows that he has these doubts. And because, as you said, it's not a good moment to express those doubts, but it makes me feel like he just shouldn't have expressed yeah. that much positive affirmation while withholding these doubts from her 
Like, I can understand, like, going up, giving her a hug, being like, I care about you, I'm here for you, but saying, like, I'm crazy for you, I'm falling for you, I break all these rules for you, like, that, it's so, so much Mm -hmm. that I think she's gonna end up just completely blindsided and devastated next week. Yeah. Because we do see in a preview that Chapman tells her that he doesn't think he can give her the life that she wants, and then we see her telling her sister and Tessa and like her sister comforting her as she's like sobbing, sobbing. that he wants to go home. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we see him sobbing too. It's yeah, it's going to be a tear streaked episode. Another yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, like I know that they keep saying the entrance of new suitors is shaking things up, but I feel like the exits really have yes. done more to shake things up. Yes. I mean, Miles is basically just, like, an annoyance at this point. I know. Um, but... Very attractive annoyance, but... An annoyance. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So, that was that was this week on... Yeah. Oh, my God. This is going to be a long... The courtship. This will be a episode. long episode. Woo! Well, that's it for this week's episode, which is probably going to be way too long. But if you've listened to this point, you know, I think that you like us enough that you should perhaps consider leaving a rating and a review. Yes. Thank you to everyone who has done so, so far. Really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening. And if you want to tell us your thoughts, um, if you want to ask us questions, we are on Twitter. Uh, Yeah, our, our show Twitter is at truths uni pod so that's truths u-n-i-p-o-d and i am on twitter at m-j-k-e-r-a-n m-j curran i'm at chingon academic c-h-i-n-g-o-n-a-c-a-d-e-m-i-c the time i had to spell it i was so impressed with myself (laughs) all right yes thank you and uh until next time try to dry those tears and be ready to cry some more bake yourself a lemon cake yes in in charlie's honor yes all right toodaloo